Issues Etc. is listener-supported. We rely on you for the continuation and expansion of this worldwide outreach. Now, if you appreciate Issues Etc., please consider making a tax-deductible gift today. You can make a secure online contribution at issuesetc.org. You can also donate by check. Make your check payable to Issues Etc. and send it to Issues Etc., Box 83, Collinsville, Illinois, 62234. And thanks for your support. That's the first stanza of the hymn for all the saints. Many will be singing it this coming Sunday, or even today as the church marks All Saints Day on this Tuesday, November the 1st, remembering not only the saints that we remember intimately, those who have died in Christ whom we have loved, but all the saints going back. And that's a lot of saints, not people marked necessarily with a day on the calendar, but they are, and even if they have been forgotten, they are still remembered on this day, that great multitude that has come out of the tribulation and washed their robes white in the blood of the Lamb. Greetings and welcome to Issues Etc. Coming to you live from the studios of Lutheran Public Radio in Collinsville, Illinois, on this All Saints Day. I'm Todd Wilkin. Thanks for tuning us in. We'll be looking forward to Sunday morning, looking at the propers for All Saints Day, including that hymn, for all the saints, Dr. Carl Fikentch will be our guest in the first hour of the program. Pastor Steve Shave joins us. He's director of Urban and Inner City Mission for the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod. There's a big story in the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette about the closing of churches in downtown Pittsburgh. In terms of churches, it's kind of a ghost town down there. Then we're going to get our weekly update on the November elections one week before the elections. Mark Hemingway of the Weekly Standard and Molly Hemingway of the Federalist will be our guest in the last half hour of the program. Dr. Carl Fikentcher is a regular guest. He joins us every week to look forward to Sunday morning. We'll be looking forward to the propers and the readings and all of those things particular to All Saints Day. He's professor of pastoral ministry and missions, teaching primarily in the area of preaching at Concordia Theological Seminary in Fort Wayne, Indiana. Dr. Fikentcher, welcome back to Issues Etc. Always a pleasure. Thank you so much, Todd. We're just coming off the celebration of Reformation Sunday. We're going to be looking forward to All Saints Sunday, or All Saints Day as observed on the following Sunday sometimes here. It is an accident of the calendar, but are there other connections that we can make between the Festival of the Reformation and this other church celebration of All Saints? I think definitely yes. First of all, historically, uh, it really is interesting that All Saints Day is the occasion that brought about Luther's nailing of the 95 Theses. Obviously, Luther uh, had a challenge before him as he saw indulgences being preached in, in his area and became very concerned about that. And when he decided that it would be uh, something worth discussing, in fact, uh, in, in need of serious discussion, uh, the, the mode of calling for that discussion in those days was to uh, announce the uh, possibility of debate, to raise theses, issues to be discussed, and then to post them, make them available. Initially, Luther had in mind, frankly, only the, the academic debate, but he posted the 95 theses there on the door of the Castle Church in Wittenberg on October 31st, 1517, so that people could see them as they came to church for All Saints Day. So it's not a coincidence that on the eve of All Saints, which of course gives us that, that uh, uh, great American festival, Halloween, Eve, the eve of All Hallows Day, uh, the 95 Theses were nailed. And, and so, uh, while of course it does just happen to be that way in our church calendar, October 31st followed by November 1st, it actually had historical significance. It, it was not just a coincidence. And then, even beyond that, and maybe even more important, uh, what we celebrated at Reformation is so very, very fundamental to what we celebrate at All Saints. 
Because after all, what is it that is a saint? A saint is someone who has been justified, declared holy by God as a result of faith in Christ Jesus. And of course, what came out of Reformation above all else was that we're not good in God's eyes. We're not holy or righteous by anything we do. Uh, We couldn't make ourselves saints. St. Peter couldn't do that. St. Paul couldn't do that. None of us could by being good enough, but rather by what Jesus did on the cross and taking our sins upon himself and then giving us in exchange his holiness, his righteousness, which we receive in baptism, which we continue to receive as we receive the Lord's Supper, as we are absolved, and as the gospel is preached to us. That's what then makes us righteous. That's what makes us holy. The saints are the holy ones. They are the people of God who have that holiness of Christ by faith in Jesus Christ. And so what we celebrated at Reformation, the gospel, justification by grace through faith alone, being set free, is what in fact we also celebrate now in All Saints Day. We see on All Saints Day all of the people around us, those that we literally can still see, those here on earth, and those that we can't see, those who have been received into heaven, who receive that holiness the very same way that Luther discovered in the scriptures and has uh, been proclaiming to us through uh, God's word ever since. Well, let's talk about, we're going to take things slightly out of order. We would ordinarily begin with the intro, but you wanted to start with the gradual because that usually gives us a good indication of what this Sunday is all about. Yes, the gradual, this particular week is very helpful to us. It really is quite expressive of where the whole Sunday is going to go. And it's a good reminder, we don't always look at the gradual, but that's because the gradual is the same for an entire season. Usually in our, our times together, Todd, we make sure we talk about the gradual at least one or two times during the season, but then the gradual remains the same, let's say throughout uh, Advent, throughout Lent, and so on. During this long season of Pentecost, this long season of the church here in which we are now, there are actually several graduals to break up the very, very lengthy Pentecost season. And when we see a new gradual being introduced, it means that we're making significant progress to a new step in this lengthy season. Uh, Had we been using the propers for the Sunday last week, instead of going largely as we did with propers for Reformation. Remember, we blended them. We took some of each, uh, but we used the gradual for Reformation Day. Had we gone with the gradual from last Sunday, proper 26 in the church year, we would have seen a new gradual introduced. So most of us in our churches will, will hear it introduced newly this coming Sunday. But it stands not just for All Saints Day. It reminds us that All Saints Day is now bringing us into the final Sundays of the church year, a mini-season within this Pentecost season, but very much the climactic season of the church year. In these last Sundays, now each of the Sundays in November until actually uh, we begin Advent on the final Sunday of November, we'll be seeing a countdown by the church to the second coming of Christ. So listen to what we have here in the gradual, and notice that. Notice our setting here at the end of the church year and how significant that is, but then we'll pick up on some elements that will be especially relevant for this particular Sunday as we celebrate All Saints Day. Here's the gradual from Revelation chapter 7. That should be a hint to us right there, and also from Psalm 84. These are the ones coming out of the great tribulation. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Blessed are those whose strength is in you, in whose heart are the highways to Zion. Several elements there that are really significant for this particular day, for All Saints Day. Again, we certainly see the, the end of the church here, implications of those coming out of the Great Tribulation. But here, for this particular Sunday, the word blessed is huge. Blessed are those whose strength is in you, in whose heart are the highways to Zion. We're going to see the word blessed showing up again and again and again and again and quite a few literally agains in the gospel reading from Matthew chapter 5 in a bit when Jesus speaks the Beatitudes, the appointed gospel reading for All Saints Day. Uh, Certainly this is a huge element in understanding All Saints Day because to be a saint, as we've already said, is not something that we achieve by by uh, our goodness, by an inherent holiness in us, uh, a sainthood of our own, 
but rather it is something bestowed upon us. We are blessed. We are given this blessing of holiness by God. Blessed are those whose strength is in you and whose heart are the highways to Zion. So the word blessed is going to be very significant to us all the way through the propers of All Saints Day and climactically in the Gospel reading. And then from Revelation chapter 7, we'll hear this also again and again, three times in fact, during our propers for All Saints Day. These are the ones coming out of the Great Tribulation. This is a very important reminder to us. Coming out of is a a blessed reminder that God's saints will be delivered from all trials, all tribulations at some point in the future. But it's also a reminder to us that in the meantime, God's saints live here on earth in what is really a great tribulation. We speak of that in a formal sense, the tribulation, uh, which Jesus speaks about uh, when he looks ahead to the final days in his eschatological discourses. But it's very true, while we can't know for sure uh, any particular start date, finish date for that, we know that we, God's saints on earth at this very time, are very much subject to tribulation, to persecution, to trials that come our way. And in our propers for this All Saints Day, we're going to see that persecution is also very, very much a part of the major elements of this day. And then these who have come out of the Great Tribulation got their how? Well, because they have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Again, a saint is a holy one, very befittingly pictured as wearing a white robe, but a robe that is not white and pure and clean by something inherent in ourselves, by our own holiness, but rather our sinfulness, which we all have, has been covered, has been made white in the blood of Jesus Christ, in the blood of the Lamb. All Saints Day is always all about what Jesus Christ has done for us as God's people. And that, of course, is a fundamental understanding of All Saints Day, which goes uh, to the very heart of the issue. Uh, the, The big misunderstanding about All Saints Day is that it's about some people that are a little more special than the rest of us, uh, perhaps uh, the saints in the scriptures, St. Peter, St. Paul, and so on, or at least those who have uh, become, quote, sainted by dying and going to heaven. But all who have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb are, in fact, saints. That certainly includes those great figures of the past that we remember. It certainly includes loved ones of ours who have gone to heaven already. It also includes us, we who, by faith in Jesus Christ, have the blood of Christ Jesus' cross washing us clean constantly. Yes, that's also each one of us. We also are the saints. So, we've got blessing, we've got persecution, and we've got the way that we are delivered from that persecution, the blood of Christ. All that is in the gradual. It'll continue to be important for these last Sundays of the church here, but certainly very relevant for us right here on this Sunday as well. We're looking forward to Sunday morning. According to the three-year lectionary, Dr. Carl Fikentra is our guest. The propers we're looking at are for All Saints Day. Stay tuned. Emily finally had to face the truth. Her church choir was a mess. Katie Schuerman from her new audiobook, House of Living Stones. Sure, they'd managed to turn out a few decent choral offerings for Sunday worship every now and then, but their confidence and morale were presently hanging lower than pants on a wrapper. You can purchase and download an audio version of the novel House of Living Stones at Amazon, Audible, and iTunes. House of Living Stones by Katie Schuerman. Do you have a student finishing up 8th grade at a Lutheran school? Do you wish there were a Lutheran high school close to where you live so your student could continue going to a Lutheran school? What if there was an opportunity for high school students in public or Lutheran school to take classes like Latin, logic, and hard-hitting theology courses? Well, there is. It's called Wittenberg Academy, the first completely online classical Lutheran high school. Visit our website, wittenbergacademy.org, to find out more. The faith, once for all, delivered to the saints. You're listening to Issues Etc. Lord, help us ever to retain the catechism's doctrine plain. What makes a church unique? Perhaps we should ask what makes a church faithful. 
Calvary Lutheran Church of Elgin, Illinois, continually learns Christ's doctrine, simply explained in the small catechism. This doctrine teaches us Christ crucified, who even today comes and serves his baptized children in word and sacrament to forgive, strengthen, and teach us for daily life. This, Christ's own work among us, makes and keeps Calvary Lutheran Church faithful. Visit us at clce.org. Our cities are some of the greatest mission fields on the planet, but the footprint of the church is shrinking. We dare not shrink from our cities. Christ is needed now in our urban areas. From chaos, turmoil, decay, death, and destruction, Jesus brings peace, hope, resurrection, eternal life, and rebuilding. And you can help by being a hero for the city. Find out how at lcms.org slash citymission or on Facebook at LCMS City Mission. Every city needs a hero. Capes and helmets not required. Looking forward to the Proppers for All Saints Day on this All Saints Day. Dr. Carl Fikancher is our guest. I'm Todd Wilkin. This is Issues Etc. A little bit later, after our conversation with Dr. Carl Fikancher, we will be talking with Pastor Steve Shave of Urban and Inner City Mission for the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod about the closing of churches in downtown Pittsburgh. There are many that stand empty, and many more are planning to close. Then, an update on the November elections with Mark and Molly Hemingway of the Weekly Standard and the Federalist. Dr. Fikencher, the collect for this coming Sunday and for All Saints Day has always struck me as reminiscent of the kind of prayers we pray at the funeral of a Christian. Take us into it, if you would. Magnificent, yes. Almighty and everlasting God, you knit together your faithful people of all times and places into one holy communion, the mystical body of your Son, Jesus Christ. Grant us so to follow your blessed saints in all virtuous and godly living, that together with them we may come to the unspeakable joys you have prepared for those who love you. Last year, Todd, when we talked about All Saints Day, I especially focused on that phrase, unspeakable joys. I'm going to emphasize some different things this year, but let's not overlook this. Uh, Unspeakable joys that God has prepared for those who love him. Certainly, as we celebrate All Saints Day, we are rejoicing that God has things for us and for our loved ones who have gone before us that are, are beyond our imagination, things that are, are, are too magnificent for us even to describe with words. But that is, again, not just for those who have already gone to heaven. They see those unspeakable joys, but he has prepared those things also for us because, Almighty and everlasting God, you knit together your faithful people of all times and places into one holy communion, the mystical body of your Son, Jesus Christ. Isn't this a wonderful reminder of who the saints are, that we also are part of this sainthood. Uh, We share uh, in this magnificent holy communion, the coming together, coming into a union together with, with all who are faithful, people of all times, all places, and, and where is this coming together? None other than in the body of Jesus Christ, the mystical body of Jesus Christ. The church is the gathering of all who are in Christ Jesus. And that, of course, is absolutely fundamental to everything we say here during All Saints Day. We've said that we are saints because we have been washed in the blood of Jesus Christ, and by our baptisms, then, we are incorporated into Christ Jesus. Particularly when we look at the Gospel reading from Matthew chapter 5, the Beatitudes, that's a huge thing to keep in mind, that we are in Christ Jesus as a result of being washed in his blood, incorporated into the body of Christ by our baptisms. And so we pray that we'd follow the blessed saints in all virtuous and godly living. While we here are still on earth, our hymn this week uh, for all the saints talks about how we feebly struggle. While we are here on earth feebly struggling, we pray that nevertheless we would be faithful in virtuous and godly living until the time when we are delivered from all of this tribulation, when we come out of the great tribulation and rejoice forever in heaven. 
The first reading, rather than being an Old Testament reading, is from the other end of the Bible, from the book of Revelation that we've already tasted of here uh, pretty heavily, and picks up on that theme that's set there by the collect. What is it? It does, indeed. Revelation chapter 7, it begins with verses 2 through 8, which are sometimes read, and then verses 9 through 17, which will always be read. Uh, This, again, reminds us that All Saints Day is a very fitting entree into these final Sundays of the church year. We know when we're talking about the book of Revelation, we're seeing some magnificent pictures, some images, some visions that John was able to see during his last years. They were ways of God revealing to John what was ahead for the church. And and, uh, some of those visions coming to be seen were actually looking beyond this world even to uh, eternal life in heaven. And this is an example of that. Those first few verses, verses 2 through 8, remind us that 144,000 people uh, have been sealed in their salvation from the tribes of Israel, 12,000 from each of the 12 tribes. And that really is never intended to be a literal 144,000, not 144,001, but rather the 12 times 12, 12,000 times 12 is a way of saying a full, complete uh, drawing from the tribes of Israel. There will be countless people from God's Old Testament nation that will be in heaven. But then after that, in verse 9, we continue and we see that it goes beyond Old Testament Israel and is very much for us as well. After this, I, that's John writing, I looked and behold a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and all peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands and crying out with a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And all the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures, and they fell on their faces before the throne and worshipped God, saying, Amen, blessing and honor and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Then one of the elders addressed me, saying, Who are these clothed in white robes, and from where have they come? I said to him, Sir, you know. And he said to me, These are the ones coming out of the great tribulation. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Therefore they are before the throne of God, and serve him day and night in his temple. And he who sits on the throne will shelter them with his presence. They shall hunger no more, neither thirst anymore. The sun shall not strike them, nor any scorching heat. For the Lamb in the midst of the throne will be their shepherd, and he will guide them to springs of living water, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. It's hard to imagine a more magnificent picture than what John is seeing here. He he looks and he sees this great multitude. We saw 144,000 as a, as a perfect number of Old Testament believers, people who look forward to Christ, and now he sees that this great multitude also includes every nation, all tribes, peoples, and languages, not just Old Testament Israel, but people in the United States and people in Africa, people in Asia, in the 21st century, in the 1st century, and however many more centuries until Christ returns. Everywhere you look, there are people who've been gathered from among the, the sinful people of the world, now standing before the throne and before the Lamb. What they have in common, they're clothed in white robes. It's that magnificent holiness that all the saints have from the blood of the Lamb. Palm branches in their hands. We, we love to picture Palm Sunday as a tiny uh, anticipation of this. Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. It's all about Christ. It's all about the Lamb, the one who gave up his life as the sacrifice, the the sacrificial lamb on the cross to make all of this possible, this incredible scene that we see before us. Angels there, uh, the living creatures, those are cherubim, a reference to uh, back to the book of Ezekiel, uh, who uh, worship God magnificently in, 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 in perfect holiness themselves. Amen, blessing and glory, wisdom, thanksgiving, honor, power, might, everything you could imagine, being to our God forever. Amen. And who are these? John is asked, 
Well, it is, of course, those who have come out of that great tribulation, as we heard a moment ago from our gradual, it also occurs in the introit as well. Those coming out of the great tribulation because they have been washed in the blood of the Lamb. Here again is that picture, which now has been brought to completion. Coming out of the great tribulation, it reminds us, yes, there will indeed be suffering on this earth. There will be uh, all kinds of pain, uh, persecution, and all sorts of other things. In fact, we hear uh, there's a reference to uh, sheltering them, hungering, thirsting, sun, scorching heat, all kinds of things that in this life here on earth will be sufferings for us, to say nothing of the opposition of those who uh, do not believe in the Lamb, who reject his mercy. But now, knowing that these things have happened, we nevertheless see the beautiful culmination, that he will shelter them, all of these, all of these believers, with his presence, so they shall hunger no more, thirst any more. The sun shall not strike them, nor any scorching heat, because the Lamb who is right there with them, will also be their shepherd. That's an interesting picture that occurs also on the fourth Sunday of Easter during the church year when we see this as one of the readings for Good Shepherd Sunday. We uh, know the Good Shepherd Psalm. We know from John chapter 10 when Jesus speaks of himself as a good shepherd. And here's this uh, really interesting irony. The lamb in the midst of the throne will be their shepherd. The lamb who has been the sacrifice, the one who laid down his life for us, is still also the one who cares for us, who guides us to living water and wipes away every tear from our eyes. A magnificent picture of the joy that is before us. And you know, Todd, I think it's a very important reminder that we'll look at a little bit more in a moment, that when we are in heaven, enjoying the culmination of of all things for all eternity, it won't be that there will never have been tribulation. But the fact of the matter is, God bringing us through the tribulation which we now experience is a part also of the joy that we will have in heaven. Uh, There is something very, very special about God delivering us from things that are very painful, that are very dangerous, that are are, uh, actively opposed to us. It's not as if the Christian goes through life on easy street, and that's the ultimate desire that everything should be easy now and in eternity. Rather, it is the struggle going on here, the tribulation, the opposition, the suffering, the pain that is a part of this fallen world. Uh, Christ delivering us from that is a, a magnificent part of the eternal celebration. We're looking forward to Sunday morning's propers, the propers for All Saints Day. Dr. Carl Fakencher is our guest. I'm Todd Wilkin. This is Issues Etc. Dr. Fakencher is professor of pastoral ministry and missions, teaching primarily in the area of preaching at Concordia Theological Seminary in Fort Wayne, Indiana. If you've ever considered the vocation of pastor or deaconess, check out Concordia Theological Seminary, Fort Wayne, Indiana at ctsfw.edu or call 1-800-481-2155. Forming servants in Jesus Christ who teach the faithful, reach the lost, and care for all. Concordia Theological Seminary, Fort Wayne, Indiana. The psalm for All Saints Day is 149. We'll find out why it's fitting for that celebration right after this. Metro East Lutheran High School in Edwardsville, Illinois, engages young adults in a Christ-centered environment, delivering academic excellence and spiritual growth to develop Christian leaders for tomorrow. We provide a Christ-focused alternative to public high schools. Many of our students receive tuition assistance. To help us provide tuition assistance to more students, go to melhs.org and click on the giving page. Or call me, Dr. J. Krause, Principal, at 618-656-0043. Issues Etc. is listener-supported. We rely on you for the continuation and expansion of this worldwide outreach. Now, if you appreciate Issues Etc., please consider making a tax-deductible gift today. You can make a secure online contribution at issuesetc.org. You can also donate by check. Make your check payable to Issues Etc., 
and send it to Box 83, Collinsville, Illinois, 62234. Thanks for your support. The 500th anniversary of the Reformation approaches. A good time to ask, who are we as confessional Lutherans? What's our heritage? The Confessional Lutherans for Christ Commission has produced the Layman's Guide to Theological History. Go to the CLCC.org and see which of these presentations and books would be most helpful to you and your fellow parishioners. And consider becoming a member with us as the CLCC seeks to help more people know what it means to be a confessional Lutheran. The CLCC.org. Many Lutheran pastors outside of the U.S. receive little or no seminary education. Luther Academy provides theological triage through conferences, books, and journals. Help support Luther Academy by making a tax-deductible donation at lutheracademy.com or call 260-452-2211. Serving Lutheran pastors to the ends of the earth. Luther Academy, 260-452-2211 or lutheracademy.com. Expert guests. Expansive topics extolling Christ. You're listening to Issues Etc. Your pastor has been called to shepherd you as a member of Christ's flock. Doxology offers an innovative program of advanced study retreats where your pastor can be refreshed, renewed, and refocused. Find out more at doxology.us. Many pastors report that doxology has been one of the most valuable learning experiences since seminary. Doxology, the Lutheran Center for Spiritual Care and Counsel. Doxology.us. Doxology.us. Lutheran Talk. In Lutheranism, I come as a guilty sinner in need of hearing the forgiving words of Christ every single time I gather. Every single time. Lutheran Music. The new Lutheran Public Radio app. Download for iPhone, Android, Windows Phone, and Kindle at issuesetc.org. the four of the hymn of the day for all saints day for all the saints we'll be looking at that hymn in due time as we look forward to sunday morning the propers for all saints day on this tuesday november the first with dr carl fakencher i'm todd wilkin dr fakencher psalm 149 is appointed for all saints why is it fitting for that celebration It also talks about the celebration that we have, the joy that comes before us. It does also make reference to the opposition that we will experience in this life. And there's one other word in here that I'll touch on that will be very significant for us for both the epistle lesson and finally the gospel reading as well. Psalm 149, sing to the Lord a new song, his praise in the assembly of the godly. Let Israel be glad in his maker, let the children of Zion rejoice in their king. You get a sense already of the celebration, of the joy that we saw going on in Revelation chapter 7. Let them praise his name with dancing, making melody to him with tambourine and lyre. For the Lord takes pleasure in his people. He adorns the humble with salvation. Let the godly exult in glory. Let them sing for joy on their beds. Uh, We picture that, uh, that joyful celebration, which is very much a part of what it means to be one of the godly ones. That is a reference to the saints. Let the godly exalt, the holy ones, the, the, the people of God, the saints. But then here's this other uh, shifting of gears. Let the high praises of God be in their throats and two-edged swords in their hands to execute vengeance on the nations and punishments on the peoples, to bind their kings with chains and their nobles with fetters of iron, to execute on them the judgment written. This is honor for all his godly ones. Praise the Lord. Clearly, it's true that there will be opposition. A two-edged sword uh, executing vengeance talks about how there will be severe opposition to God's kingdom all the time that we are here on earth. This is something that we as believers in Christ know by faith 
but by no means do we always see. And that is that here on earth, we will, also, we will often feel uh, put upon, we will often feel persecuted, we'll be persecuted, and we'll often feel defeated. The fact of the matter is, we who are in Christ, St. Paul says in Romans chapter 8, are more than conquerors. While we go through this, these, these feeble struggles here on earth, where we often feel like losers, uh, where it often seems as if all things are against us, we do, because we are in Christ, nevertheless stand victorious at all times. Actually, we are part of God's carrying out His will, which ultimately defeats the opposition. We don't always see that. The other word that I wanted to pick up here in Psalm 49 to hold on to for a couple more propers coming up is back in verse 2. Let Israel be glad in his maker. Let the children of Zion rejoice in their king. When we talk about All Saints Day, and we realize that we are with God for all eternity in perfect joy because of what he has done, because of the blood of the Lamb shed on the cross, not because of anything in ourselves, then it's a reminder that children really is a term very descriptive of us. Uh, We think of a number of examples in the Gospels where Jesus takes children as examples of faith, not because children are better than adults, but because children are helpless and are always only receiving. This is the way it is for God's saints. We are what we are. We are saints because God gives us his holiness, his righteousness. So, as we talk about the celebration with the, the, uh, the dancing, the tambourine, the lyre, the melody, the pleasure, the exalting, all of those things, and as we recognize the opposition that will be a part of our life here on earth, it's vital to recognize that those are uh, things that are given to us or from which we are delivered by God's work, uh, not by anything in ourselves. We're children always on the receiving end of God's good graces. Let's look at uh, the epistle reading, 1 John 3. Here that word children is going to come out in, in a very bold relief. 1 John 3, verses 1 through 3, a brief Bible reading, which is uh, delightful, very appropriate for All Saints Day, and uh, gives me an awful lot of my focus for this week as I look at the propers. John writes, See what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called children of God. And so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him, because we shall see him as he is. And everyone who thus hopes in him purifies himself as he is pure." Uh, we see how wonderfully here John develops this idea of us being children. Uh, It's a a fabulous expression of the love the Father has for us. See what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called children of God. What what a magnificent relationship John is is describing there. He calls God the Father, and we the children of God. Uh, It is so natural for each one of us as sinful human beings to want to be in command, to want to be anything but children, dependent on the receiving end. Uh, to have a father is to say that we're not the origin, we're not the, uh, the, the, the starting point, we're not the ones really in charge or even the primary providers. We, as sinful people, we don't like that. But John says, my goodness, this is as, as, as beautiful a picture of love as there could ever be. When someone cares enough for us to call us his children. What love the Father gives us that we should be called children of God. And then John comes right back and doubles up and says, and so we are. We are called children of God, and that is in fact what we are. Why would he do that? Why would John double up on that? Well, because there are so many things in this life that we, the saints of God, go through that would make us doubt that we are in fact children of God, or to put it the other way, that God is truly our loving Father. The reason why, John says, the world does not know us is that it did not know him. John's indication there is, the world does not know us, is that the world is going to be opposed to us. The world does not love us as the Father does. The world looks at us as a nuisance, as as a thorn in the side, 
uh, as, as opposition, as out of step, and there's so many ways we could describe that in today's world. Certainly God's church is very much out of sync with where the world is always going, and where we see the world going rather obviously in our particular day, as opposition to the church is open, is blatant, is uh, unmitigated, uh, nobody's shy at all about speaking badly of, of those, those crazy uh, folks on the religious right, as we're sometimes called, the radical religious right, uh, people who are opposed to abortion and care for the unborn, people who want to uphold the sanctity of marriage, uh, one man, one woman, according to God's design, the family, and, and all the things that are, are so much a, a battleground, even politically, this, this very week. All of these things are examples of how the world does not know us because it didn't know God. And so, the world will oppose us. And when the world opposes us, we ourselves may say, gee, are we children of God? Is God our loving Father at all? When these things are going badly, when, when it seems as if we're being defeated at every turn, that's why John says we're called children of God, and by golly, absolutely, so we are. That's what we really are. Beloved, we are God's children now, right now, even in the face of this opposition. And there's more to come. The things that we continue to celebrate also in All Saints Day. What we will be has not yet appeared, but we know that when he appears, when Christ returns at the end of the world, we will be like him. Our bodies will be raised. They will be glorified. They will be like Jesus' glorified body. And, and by the way, it's well, well worth noting that uh, Jesus' glorified body, the body the disciples saw after Jesus rose from the grave, showed the very wounds that made us whole, showed those, those wounds in the hands and the feet and the side from which the blood of the Lamb flowed out. Uh, and so, when we look forward to uh, how we will be in heaven, we don't know exactly how it's going to be. What we will be has not yet appeared. But if, in fact, we believers in Christ show some of the scars of opposition, of the tribulation uh, that we endured here on earth, so be it, and it will be glorious. Uh, the scars, even if that would be the case, would be beautiful and glorious for us, too. Because we shall see him as he is. And then, Everyone who thus hopes in him purifies himself as he is pure. There's that wonderful reference to the blood of the Lamb. Washed, our robes are white, purified in the blood of the Lamb, because he himself is absolutely pure. I, I love this brief epistle lesson, particularly for the setting of All Saints Day, because it really does bring together these elements so very wonderfully. Uh, the fact that we are children of God, that is a very, very special thing with God as our Father, a relationship which is so beautifully indicative of love. The fact that we will be opposed, the world doesn't know us. Uh, the fact that we have this joy now, and there's more to come, and all of it is because we've been washed pure in the blood of the Lamb. Dr. Carl Fikencher is our guest. We're looking forward to All Saints Day on this All Saints Day. When we come back, the Gospel reading, which seems unlikely part of the Beatitudes. At Concordia University, Irvine, you can pursue advanced theological study for academic, professional, or personal development. Concordia's Master of Arts in Theology program is grounded in the truth of Scripture and insights from the Lutheran Confessions. Courses are taught online and at intensive on-campus sessions in the summer. Apologetics, Christian education leadership, and Reformation studies are just a few of the emphases offered. For more information, visit cui.edu theology. Memoria Press invites all Issues Etc. listeners to explore our Simply Classical curriculum, a set of full-year academic curriculum packages for children with learning challenges. Our classical writing program and our Christian studies are now based on your favorite CPH Bible storybooks. To learn more, visit classicalspecialneeds.com and use promo code LPR to save on your initial purchase. That's classicalspecialneeds.com. A mobile Lutheran Bible study. You're listening to Issues Etc. Thanks to the following congregations for standing with us by joining the Issues Etc. 300. 
Mount Zion Lutheran, Greenfield, Wisconsin, Pilgrim Lutheran, West Bend, Wisconsin, Messiah Lutheran, Lebanon, Illinois, Zion Lutheran, Accident, Maryland, Redeemer Lutheran, Jackson, Wyoming, Messiah Lutheran, Marysville, Washington, Trinity Lutheran, Millstadt, Illinois, Our Savior Lutheran, Houston, Texas, St. Matthew's Lutheran, Bonterre, Missouri, Good Shepherd Lutheran, Lincoln, Nebraska, Hope Lutheran, St. Louis, Missouri, Trinity Lutheran, Austin, Texas, Good Shepherd Lutheran, Collinsville, Illinois, Luther Memorial Chapel, Shorewood, Wisconsin, Christ Lutheran, Oak Park, Illinois, Bethany Lutheran, Naperville, Illinois, and Emmanuel Lutheran, Dearborn, Michigan. Find out how your church can support this worldwide outreach by including Issues Etc. in your mission or advertising budget at our website, issuesetc.org. Click support. The Issues Etc. 300. final stanza of the hymn for all saints day for all the saints we'll be talking about it in a few moments here with dr carl fakencher professor of pastoral ministry and missions at concordia theological seminary in fort wayne indiana as we look forward to all saints day on this tuesday afternoon november the first and all saints day dr fakencher we come now to the gospel reading which at first seems somewhat unlikely it's part of the beatitudes the first few verses of matthew chapter five the sermon on the mount It's remarkable and delightful that this has been identified by the Church as the Gospel reading for All Saints Day. Uh, You're right, Todd. Uh, If you're designing the lectionary, if you're looking and saying, well, well, what what reading of all in Scripture would be appropriate, really would be worthy of such a day as All Saints Day, this might very easily be overlooked. But it rings beautifully as we hear it, if we understand it properly, and it does also then take us to these elements of All Saints Day that we've been talking about. From the Sermon on the Mount, this is the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount, the Beatitudes, Matthew chapter 5, verses 1 through 12. Seeing the crowds, Jesus went up on the mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed, remember we said we'd hear blessed many more times? Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and other all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Last year, Todd, when we looked at these propers for All Saints Day, I I spent a great deal of time on this element. Let me just touch base on it quickly this time. And that is to say, the Beatitudes are so often misunderstood and that the joy and the beauty of, that, that makes them so appropriate for All Saints Day is missed when we turn them into a, 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 an absolutely unachievable law. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Uh, the way this is done badly is go and be poor in spirit, and you'll get blessed. Mourn, and you'll be comforted. You'll be blessed with comfort. Be meek. And you'll be blessed by inheriting the earth. Be, go, out, go out and figure out a way to be hungry and, and thirsty for righteousness, and, and then you'll be satisfied with this blessing. Uh, be merciful, you'll receive mercy. Do these things, be pure in heart, be peacemakers, and somehow or other, the, the last beatitude, uh, go out and be persecuted somehow. Find yourself some persecution, and you'll be blessed. Uh, this is uh, actually a, a real interpretation that is often 
put on the Beatitudes in preaching, and it could not be further from what Jesus is getting at. Jesus, with that wonderful word makarios, translated blessed, is getting at this uh, description of what we are. Believers in Christ, the saints, the children of God, are poor in spirit. We do more, and we are meek. We hunger and thirst for righteousness. We are merciful, we are pure in heart, we are peacemakers, and yes, we're absolutely, positively going to be persecuted. Why is that? Well, for the very same reason that John gave us in the epistle lesson, because they did not know him. They persecute us because they persecuted the one in whom we are. Or, to go back to the original sense, frankly, they persecuted Christ, the one who is poor, who mourns, who is meek, who hungers and thirsts for righteousness, who is merciful, pure in heart, a peacemaker. They persecuted Christ, and we who by faith are in Christ then also reflect the very same. We are these things. We are these characteristics because we are in Christ. He perfectly, we very imperfectly in this life, but by faith in Christ Jesus, when we are baptized, the new man or woman is created inside us who really does fit this description because Christ dwells in us. The new man, the new woman, Christ in us reflects all of these things Though that sinful nature makes the outward appearance imperfect, nevertheless, the new man, the new woman inside us really is all of these things, which is to say then that Jesus is telling us we are blessed and how vital that is to be reminded because we will be persecuted. And As we've said, when the world is opposing us, when we are being persecuted, it's very easy for us to feel as if we are anything but blessed. If you look back at those Beatitudes, it's interesting to notice how many of those sound like they would make us very easy targets for persecution. The person who is poor in spirit, the person who mourns, the one who's meek, that's certainly the kind of person you're going to take advantage of. The person who's the peacemaker, that's certainly the kind of person that that the evil opposition will find as an easy target for persecution. And it certainly looks that way, as if, frankly, we, Christians, the saints, the children of God, are essentially punching bags uh, for the evil opposition. This we need to hear as the, uh, as the truth, that in spite of what, uh, what appears, we are blessed. I especially appreciate uh, the beatitude in verse 9 because of what we've been seeing in the other propers. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. The very same thing that we heard about back in our psalm, Psalm 149, that we are children of Zion, the very same thing that John told us in the epistle lesson, how, how much the Father shows his love to us that we should be called children of God, and so we are. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. And absolutely, that is what we are. By faith in Christ Jesus, having been washed in the blood of the Lamb in our baptisms and and continually as we are absolved and as we receive Christ's very blood and his body in Holy Communion, uh, we are indeed children of God, sons of God, even when all the opposition of this world seems to say anything but, seems to oppose this and seems to, to make, make, uh, make foolishness out of that. Todd, this brings me to my theme for the propers uh, for All Saints Day. Uh, this is a different theme than I developed last year, and I, I would stand by each of them, but looking at to different emphases. I mentioned last year we especially emphasized the unspeakable joys of the colic. Let's not forget about that. But this time, this I propose as our theme, a, a way we can see these propers coming together. My theme this week. Blessed are all the saints, for by our washing in the blood of the Lamb, we shall be called children of God. And despite persecution, so we are. Blessed, that wonderful word that we heard back in the gradual that we hear so, uh, so powerfully in the gospel reading, blessed are all the saints, those in heaven, those on earth, those that we uh, know have gone before us, and those who are right here now, those who are famous and remembered by, by history as St. Paul, St. Peter, and so on, and, and then the folks just like ourselves that will probably remain anonymous but never to God. Blessed are all the saints, for by our washing the blood of the Lamb, being saints is totally what he gives to us, 
It's a blessing. It's not something we have achieved. It's totally by what Christ has done for us and giving his blood on the cross for us. We shall be called children of God, and when persecution makes it look as if we were anything but, it's still exactly what we are. Blessed are all the saints, for by our washing in the blood of the Lamb, we shall be called children of God. And despite persecution, so we are. We will talk about the hymn of the day for all the saints on the other side of the break as we conclude our conversation. Looking forward to Sunday morning on this Tuesday afternoon, November the 1st, with Dr. Carl Fakencher of Concordia Theological Seminary in Fort Wayne, Indiana. Concordia Publishing House is having its annual warehouse sale, both online and in the store. You can take advantage of discounted prices on many of the items that you hear promoted here on Issues Etc. And they also have additional savings on what they call not-quite-perfect-condition items as well. That's November 1st through the 8th. you find major cost savings on books, music, Bibles, educational resources, and more. Concordia Publishing House's Fall Warehouse Sale, cph.org, and at 3558 South Jefferson in St. Louis, Concordia Publishing House's Warehouse Sale, November the 1st through the 8th. We'll continue with Dr. Carl Fakencher right after this. You can teach lay people theology. You're listening to Issues Etc. Do you dread going to work out? Performance Fitness in Edwardsville offers a fun, supportive, tight-knit community and environment. Visit them on the web at performancefitness618.com or call 618-692-5063. Performance Fitness is the facility in the St. Louis Metro East where the focus is on member results, not membership numbers. 618-692-5063 or performancefitness618.com. Performance Fitness of Edwardsville. Good Shepherd Lutheran Church in Collinsville, Illinois, is happy to support the Christ-centered, cross-focused ministry of Issues Etc. Join us for worship, Bible classes, youth ministry, and other opportunities to grow in Christ. We have a Christian day school for children in preschool to 8th grade. We are located at 1300 Beltline Road, Call us at 618-344-3151 or visit www.goodshepherdcollinsville.org. That's the St. Olaf Choir with the hymn Children of the Heavenly Father playing right now at our 24-7 sacred music station, Lutheran Public Radio. Here's what Brent had to say recently about LPR. I absolutely love this station. I know that there are people who probably think it's too classical or churchy for them, but I love the format. I love the musical selections, and I love the peace that it brings to me by listening to this station on TuneIn. Thank you, and may God bless you as you have blessed me. You can listen any time of day or night absolutely free at lutheranpublicradio.org, lutheranpublicradio.org, and on the LPR mobile app. We're looking forward to Sunday morning, All Saints Day. Dr. Carl Fakentra is our guest for just a few more minutes here. Then we're going to talk about the closing down of churches in downtown Pittsburgh with Dr. Stephen Shave. And we'll be reviewing the November elections one week out from those elections News still boiling all around both of the candidates. Mark Hemingway of the Weekly Standard and Molly Hemingway of the Federalist will be our guests. Dr. Fakensha, we come to that hymn of the day for all the saints. Your brief thoughts on this hymn. For all the saints, uh, a magnificent hymn. Uh, we sang it in chapel here at the seminary this morning, and, and uh, it's, it's hard not to choke up just a little bit, uh, particularly when we think about some particular saint that is special to us, for all the saints who from their labors rest, whether it's thinking about my dad or, or uh, my wife's dad or, or uh, grandparents who've gone before us, uh, for all the saints who from their labors rest, who by who thee, who Christ, by faith before the world confessed, thy name, O Jesus, be forever blessed. We know that everything that we have 
as saints is because of Christ. It's, it's the blessing that, that belongs to him, the one who was our rock, our fortress, our might. I love stanza four, O blessed communion, fellowship divine, we feebly struggle, they in glory shine, yet all are one in thee, for all are thine. We who are on earth, feebly struggling, facing that opposition, living right now in the tribulation that makes it look as if we were so weak, as if we were losers, uh, the saints who are in glory now are still one blessed communion together. We share with them because we are all in Christ Jesus. Uh, the hymn reminds us that the time comes when to faithful warriors will come rest, a calm of paradise, but lo, there breaks a yet more glorious day. That is the day when Christ returns and raises all the dead. And the result, finally, verse 8, from earth's wide bounds, from ocean's farthest coast, that's all those nations, all those tribes that, that John sees in Revelation chapter 7, every language, every tribe, they come through those gates of pearl streaming in as a countless host and singing to Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, Alleluia, Alleluia, and the Alleluias will never stop. One thing I wanted to ask you about before we let you go, and that is it's, it's often the case that just because, just for kind of convenience sake, um, and because they fit together so nicely, pastors will combine all saints with a separate commemoration, which is commemoration of the faithful departed. And on that occasion, they will read out aloud from the altar, uh, sometimes during the prayers, the names of those uh, both in and connected to the congregation who have gone on to be with Christ in greater glory. Talk a little bit about that kind of remembrance for all saints. When I was a pastor in my congregations for, for 15 years, we did that every year. Uh, and I didn't start the tradition. Both of my congregations had done it, and I loved it. To stand on the altar, where the place where I was usually located, doing the prayers, uh, having that list before me, many of them members of my congregation, funerals that I had done. Others were family members of, of, of my, my folks who were very precious to them. Uh, to, to, to stand at the altar facing the Lord and thanking God for what he had done in the lives of each of these people, again, some of which, some of whom I knew very well, some for whom I had proclaimed the gospel at their funerals, uh, but everyone special to us, some that were personally precious to me, uh, not known to my congregation, but my own family members, perhaps, who, who lived at a distance, and to uh, consider with each name, as each one went by, that what Jesus did on the cross for the sins of the whole world applied so beautifully, so individually, so personally to each one of those, a magnificent reminder of the love that God has for us when he calls us children of God and makes us precisely that. Um, it's always true that what Christ did on the cross is for the 144,000, it's for people from all nations, all languages, all tribes, it's for, it's for however many billion people will ultimately be in heaven. But, and this is, this, is, this is the way our God is, while it's for all those people, perhaps billions of people, it's just as clearly, powerfully, personally for me, or for my dad, or for Claire's dad, individually. Christ did it for everybody, but he also did it and would have done it just for each one of us. And I think that's a magnificent reminder uh, as we go through that list on All Saints Day. Dr. Carl Fakencher is professor of pastoral ministry and missions, teaching primarily in the area of preaching at Concordia Theological Seminary in Fort Wayne, Indiana. Dr. Fakencher, a blessed All Saints to you. To you as well, Todd. We're going to be talking about, well, kicking off from a story from the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette about the closing of many churches in downtown Pittsburgh. We're going to talk about the closing of churches in urban centers with Pastor Steve Shave right after this. It is the greatest adventure you could ever possibly imagine. It's demanding, it's hard, it's challenging, and what a blessing it is. 
Dr. Larry Rast, president of Concordia Theological Seminary in Fort Wayne, Indiana, on why a man should consider the vocation of pastor. And it is an incredible blessing to be honored with the opportunity to work with these incredible young men uh, and older men uh, as well who uh, are committing themselves to the proclamation of God's Word, the right distinction of law and gospel, and to uh, take the good news of Jesus Christ into all the world. You can find out more about studying for the pastoral ministry at Concordia Theological Seminary, Fort Wayne, Indiana, at ctsfw.edu or call 1-800-481-2155. Concordia Theological Seminary, Fort Wayne, Indiana. Forming servants in Jesus Christ who teach the faithful, reach the lost, and care for all. Old theology, new technology. You're listening to Issues Etc., Here's Eric listening in Chicago. Hi, Eric. What's up? Well, first of all, I'd like to say I really encourage people to give to issues, et cetera, as it's the flagship of confessional liturgical Lutheranism in the world, I'd say, on, on the media. Issues Etc. is listener-supported, and you can support the flagship of confessional liturgical Lutheranism in the media by making a secure online donation at our homepage, issuesetc.org. Thanks for listening, and thanks for your support. I'm talking with regular guest Dr. Ken Sherb about a new book by one of his former professors. Which one, Ken? The late Dr. Kurt Marquardt, and the book is The Saving Truth, Doctrine for Lay People. You edited this book. Yeah, the unpublished manuscript was among Marquardt's papers, and it is vintage Marquardt, lively, engaging, centering in the Christ who saves with an apologetics chapter at the end. You can find out more about Saving Truth, Doctrine for Lay People at lutheracademy.com.